Okay, let's pray together. God, we want those words to ring out in our heads today and and, uh, in this moment that we would live our lives to lift up Jesus Christ. I want to thank you so much for our guests that are here with us today, especially for those who are being baptized in a few moments. Uh, God, I pray that someone who came here to support a family member would hear of the love and grace and acceptance of God today through Jesus Christ and that their life would be changed today. And I pray that as you speak through your word and the songs that we sing that come from your word, that you would encourage believers to love you more, to seek you, to spend time with you, that you would build us together as a family of families who are moving towards obedience and reverence for the Lord Jesus Christ together. It's in your name we all pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, please have a seat. My name is Dave. I'm going to talk with you for a few moments, and then you baptizees. We're going to get you up here in about 20 minutes or so, and so um, I hope you hear what I have to say, and if you're nervous, I'll be praying for you while I'm up here, and, and many others will too. Got a simple talk today. Look at God, live it out, and you'll see what real peace is all about. Somebody say, look at God. Somebody say, live it out. All right, and if you do that, you're going to see what real peace is all about. All right, I'm done. That was great. I think we really hit some stuff today. I think, I think it's going to be awesome. Um, this is a great scripture today, Philippians chapter 4. It's a great one to share on a day when people are being baptized and they're taking the opportunity to do something really brave and to stand and be bold about their relationship with Jesus Christ. If you are a guest with us, either join in some of the baptizees or if you're just here uh, for the first or second time today, let me explain what we do at Southside because churches do a lot of different things. We take a book of the Bible. So maybe you've heard of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and you know different books in the Bible. We take a book of the Bible. Right now, it's a book called The Letter to the Philippian Church. We teach through it, and then groups meet all over town to discuss it further, wrestle with it, and try to apply the truths of God to their daily lives. Um, If you're just sitting in with us for one of the first times, we want you to know that you could find this too, but we find God's Word to be an incredible source of peace and strength for us. Uh, It tells of itself that it's inspired. It's breathed out by God. God. But today's passage, even if you've never been in a church before, um, I never set foot in one until I was in my teens, really. Um, If you hear today's passage, it's really a great one for everyone to apply to their life. I really want the men and women and children who are being baptized today to apply it to your lives, um, to remember this scripture and how it might guide you as you live your life in Jesus Christ. Um, And if you're here today and you decide to renew your relationship with God through Jesus Christ, to accept him or to invite him into your life when I give that opportunity in a few, well, in a a long time from now, um, then it's an exceedingly cool scripture for you to hear today. So we're going to look at God, we're going to live it out, and we're going to find out what real peace is all about. Let me read to you from the scriptures in Philippians chapter 4, verses 8 through 9. This is the Apostle Paul writing to this church in this real worldly and and just party central, thought police kind of town where there's these philosophizers and there's pagan rituals and there's a suspicion about Christians and followers of the Jesus way. And he's rounding up his book. We're in chapter four. And he says, finally, brothers, brothers and sisters, of course, whatever is true, 
Whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, said the guy who planted the church and gave them the truth. Practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. Paul's beginning to wrap up the book of Philippians and I do think he's finally at that place where he's taken some big swings at wrapping up his letter to this new church and trying to get across if you didn't catch everything or if you are new at this or if you haven't been enjoying and having that joy that I just talked to you about, try to lock into this simple message. Think about God and his beauty in all of its forms and surround yourself with joy genuine Christians and follow their example. And so this is why simply I can challenge you today to look at God, live it out, and you'll see what real peace is all about. We see a tremendous, you got to hear this. Oh, you got to hear this today. Somebody needs to hear this. Probably everybody, but somebody really needs to hear this. There is a solution in God's word today if you have bouts of anxiety, depression, fear, loneliness. There is a pill that can be taken that is a gift of God through the regeneration of our lives and hearts through Jesus Christ. There is a solution and a lifesaver and a line that is thrown out to you today in God's word that if you can dwell on the purity and beauty of God, and be around others who do so, you can have not just the peace of God, but the God of peace. The first part of this scripture, the whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, is supremely memorable and meaningful. Memorize Philippians 4 8. This is, I know we've talked about it a lot, but this is the kind of Bible verse that you see on a coffee cup. This is the kind of Bible verse that is burned into wood or simulated wood at Hobby Lobby or Joann's or the other places my wife makes me endure. Have you ever been to Hobby Lobby? Men, have you ever been torn? Have you ever been brought brought through there? Gary, there's this little part, there's this man section at Hobby Lobby. It's like two little sections, uh, two little rows. It has cars and sports and fishing and guns. Uh, It doesn't really have guns, but it has like, you know, like little pictures of them. And and they, I have been 10 years, my wife's been dragging me there as she looks at yarn for seven hours. And I have seen everything they have there. I've seen every piece of, of thing they've had there. They have not sold one thing in seven years. It's a beautiful Christian organization, but it is a scam. There is, there is nothing there new. It's been there since the Eisenhower administration. But this is one of those scriptures. What's my point? Who knows? That ends up memorable, and it sounds on its face, you know, let your mind dwell, whatever's true and honorable and noble and, and excellent and praiseworthy and commendable. It sounds real zen, like real, like visualize world peace. It sounds like, you know, be the change you want to be or, or, you know, eat, pray, love or something like that. But it's so much deeper. It sounds inoffensive, non-confrontational. It could hang up next to those kind of signs in someone's house. But it's got a deep message to look at God and then to be motivated to live it out 
and then define what real peace is all about. It's more than just a coffee cup. It's more than just something you'd see on a sign. To the church in Philippi, it's a last reminder. And here with Spokane 2020 ears, to Philippi, he says, you're surrounded by unwholesome, vulgar, lustful, debauchery, drunkenness, promiscuity, disrespectful people, disrespectful children, a society that though it is in full moral decline is instead saying, no, we are morally superior to what we've ever been before. Philippi, these Roman leaders, these city rulers, they want you to accept it, approve it. It's tempting, it's everywhere, and it seems unavoidable that you would just go along to get along. As Colin preached to us last week, he reminded us that they had to bow to a statue of Caesar and bow ceremoniously and in so many other ways throughout their day and their business life and their civic life. Their eyes were met in all Roman cultures with the temple prostitutes each day with the coarse and earthy language of a sex-obsessed Roman citizenship. In spiritual, physical, and metaphysical ways, each day they had a choice. What will my eyes look at? What will my mind think about? What will I listen to? What will I do? Will I be lured by the temptation and the ease of the culture around me? Or will I dig in with discipline and with self-control to this new way of life that Jesus has inaugurated and Paul is reminding me of? Even if they did maintain a wholesomeness or an avoidance of ungodly temptations in their society, they had to tangle emotionally, maybe you do, with the reality that they're strangers where they live. That what's evil is good and what's good is evil and they are now aliens morally and spiritually. And if they follow Jesus for real, They likely feel uncomfortable, left out in our parlance, uncool or not woke, and just possibly squirrely and out of sorts at all times as they try to cling to the truth and the purity and the goodness of God in a world that seems set against those very things and the people who love them. So Paul gives what might seem like a list. In some ways, it's Eight takes on the same thing, but it appears as a list in the scriptures. Whatever is true. You'll see the Greek and maybe an attempt at a fuller definition for each of these words on the screen. Whatever is true, whatever is honorable or venerable, whatever is just or righteous, whatever is pure, lovely, commendable. And he closes closes it out with if anything is excellent. And remember from way back in Philippians 2, if meaning since in this way that it's used, since there's anything excellent or if there's anything excellent or anything worthy of praise. Notice the Greek, if that helps you to kind of wrestle with this big picture of how good and how beautiful and how noble and how perfect God is. But here's something interesting. Here's what you paid your admission to here today. You you did pay. They charged you on the way in, yes? Okay, good. The Roman culture was so falsely sanctimonious, judgy and preachy about the superiority of their morality, even as they flouted all morality of all history, they 
especially Judeo history at that point, and they had constructed a hierarchy of morals and virtues that did not include, listen, morals and virtues that did not include any stopping or any prohibitions on any kind of confines with sexuality, gender, faithfulness, drunkenness and sobriety, hard work, family. Does this sound like any culture you're acquainted with? To throw out what had always been thought of as purity and wholesomeness and sobriety and and to then replace it with a new value system with some big words and with a heavy dosing of guilt and shame. If you didn't agree, Instead, in this culture and so many first century cultures, they glorified the human body. Well, I'm glad we don't do that. They had the idea of attaining thought perfection or purity that was divorced from action and reality. And then this you won't relate to at all. There was always some new and improved version of how to live and how to think and what to accept and what not to And these towns were famous for how people would stand up in the town center. They would compete sometimes or sometimes somebody would be so good that they just won the day and they would hold the court for hours and hours and they would use these big words and these larger thoughts and it was never about a simple, clean wholesomeness that comes through forgiveness that we know in the cross of Christ that leads to an awesome way of living that's not judgmental, that's accepting of all, but that has as a pursuit of God with it. It was always about how if you can think and you can ascertain in your mind correctly, you can really do whatever you want as long as it pleases the Caesar of the day. And they were intent on tearing down previous moral imperatives in order to now dress up things like I've mentioned 27 times already now, promiscuity, drunkenness, gluttony, pride, ego, vanity, anger as morally superior Virtues, And what's really interesting here that I think Paul is doing from studying the passage this week is in the words of Shakespeare, Paul hoists Roman culture by its own petard. That word just sounds wrong, but it's not. And Paul puts this list of you've been hearing that you need to adopt these lofty ideals. And he shows them, give me the list, there it is. These things that we just looked at a minute ago are not sanctimonious words from philosophizers' lips. These are not thought patterns and thought perfections. This is just a sliver, just a taste, just a slice of who God is. This is who God is. You want beauty. You want tolerance. You want self-control. You want perfection. It is not found around you. And in the words of others and the thoughts of others, it's found in God. And I don't know if you're catching what I'm saying, not because there's any problem with you, but maybe there's a problem with me. This is what that culture was selling to these people. And Paul said it doesn't exist anywhere but in God, this perfection. These attributes, true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable. And Paul says, if there's really anything excellent or worthy of praise, it's God, it's God, it's God. 
These attributes are some of the characteristics of God. He is true. He is honorable. God is just. God is pure. God is lovely. God is commendable. God is excellent and worthy of praise. Look at God. Look at God. Let your life become consumed with a vision of his character. Look at God and then live it out. And this scripture tells us then we'll see what real peace is all about. There's something else interesting here. The Roman culture was all about lifting up these heroes, these celebrities of thought. I'm glad we don't do that. And agreeing or disagreeing with them in mind. And Paul says, no, 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 no. We've shown you what it is to go from your mind to your heart and to your life and to pursue God this way. Let's read Philippians 4, 8, and 9 again. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence and if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. Practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. And Paul makes a simple teaching around the idea of these things and these things that are God, that are the character of God. Yes, think about these things. Then fully digest these things. That's the learned, received, heard, and seen. We'll get to in a moment. Think about these things. Fully digest that God is true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, excellent, worthy of praise, but also practice these things. And so there's this call on the Christian life, on the Christian, to not just think them and not just watch others, but to think them and to dwell on them. The Greek says, let your mind dwell on these things and then to bring them into our lives through hearing, seeing, receiving, and learning. But then Paul makes it so short and sweet. Practice these things. Look at God, live it out, and then you'll see what real peace is all about. There's so much more. So now we're into verse 9. Now we're not on the coffee cup anymore. We're not on the wood burn hanging. Because he says, what you've learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. Christians, can I ask you on a Sunday morning after maybe a sketchy Saturday night, do you practice these things? Christian, when you don't, Do you bow your head and say, God, I know I displeased you, but I want to come back to you? Do you share in your family and in your friendships the grace of God that is so redeeming and so accepting that when someone fails around you, do they see that grace and mercy and peace in your face that you can even not just get yourself back on track, but be an instrument of God to bring others back to him as well? 
Look at God, live it out, and you'll see what real peace is all about. See, a lot of times there's Christians that just want to learn it. I want to go to that Bible study. I want to listen to that teacher on the radio or on the internet. And I want to learn it. I want to inculcate it into my brain cavity. And I'm so excited that I'm learning more. And then there's some that don't want to open their Bibles and just want to be around other Christians and feel that love and feel that grace and let others do the hard work of digging into the Bible. There's some of us that just want to see it from afar and judge it. And we typically judge the line right behind us as to what is acceptable, what is greedy, what is materialistic, what is loving, what is wholesome, what is pure, all of those things. But God has called us, give me that next slide, to both learn and to hear and to see and to receive. And all of these things play a part in our ability to practice these things and fully digest them into our life. Romans 8.29 tells us the goal of the Christian life is Christ-likeness. 1 John 2.6 says, if anyone is in Christ, he should walk as Jesus did. Colossians 2.6 says, now that you've been given that, so live it out. And all over the scriptures, Jesus uh, reminds us that they'll know we are Christians by our love. They will know that we are his disciples if we love one another. We're aiming at Christ-likeness, to have his character, to have his heart, to have his virtue. Never in equality with Jesus, but in aspiration and in action of loving and serving others. But it takes all of these different ways to accomplish it and to achieve it. We learn in places like church and in our Bible studies and in our personal studies. We receive the truth of God, sometimes in our small groups or our spiritual friendships and our families. We hear it so many different ways, but to not just hear the truth, but to hear someone with love in their heart put on their lips, I'm concerned about you. I'm concerned you're drinking too much. I'm concerned when I saw the way you interacted with your spouse that maybe something is happening there to take those bold and brave steps to hear from one another and then how rich and awesome it is when we get to see Jesus Christ being lived out in other committed Christians. This is why we gather Sundays and in Bible studies Wednesdays and Thursdays and in the men's breakfast and especially in the groups that meet in our church and meet in our homes all across Spokane digging into the word. We look at God, we live it out, and then we'll see what real peace is all about. Christian, are you missing that part of being inspired and seeing it in other people? Then do a simple act today and check one of the response cards and say, I want to be in a group or I need to attend this Bible study and purpose to do it. I need help with my recovery or whatever it might be. And then I want you to check out the ending of Philippians 4, 8 through 9. This is incredible, and you might miss it if you were just chugging through Philippians and and reading it. Practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Look at God, live it out, and then you'll see what real peace is all about. This is something you're probably getting it. You're probably way ahead of me, but normally we want to seek or recommend or pray that someone would have the peace of God, right? We would say, I hope that the, you have the peace of God. Just a week or two ago, Philippians said, the peace of God that surpasses understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. But I hope you noticed the flippage of God and peace. 
and that there's this bigger promise in a life of holy pursuit and action. It's not the peace of God anymore. It's the anyone, 10 Bible dollars, anyone see it? It's the God of peace. Not just the peace of God, the God of peace. The God who invented peace. The God, does that help? The God of peace. And I don't want to like speak bad about the peace of God. But I would much prefer the God of peace. I think we're sometimes grasping when we pray and when we're struggling and when we're stressed. Oh, I just need a little peace. I need to feel some peace. God, can I have your peace? But it's much, much bigger in the scripture today. And since no word is an accident, look at it, look at it, look at it. The God of peace. If your child is deployed, for example, it's not just the peace of God that you have at your access. It's the God of peace. You got everything. If your marriage is in trouble, it's not just I can get a little snippet of the peace of God, but you've got the God of peace. If you're struggling with an addiction and you've been hiding it and living shamefully and you just don't want to pop your head up and tell someone the truth, I tell you, if you tell a believer in Jesus Christ, you're not just going to experience the peace of God. You're going to have the God of peace as what's in the dark comes out in the open and it can now be dealt with. If you're bored with being a Christian because it seems like it's just life by the list and trying to be good and and trying to be a good little doobie when you're a Christian and then you decide, no, I'm going to take a step of faith and I'm going to live a somewhat uncomfortable and challenging and faith-filled life for God, you will not just get a little slice of the peace of God sometimes. You will get the God of peace. We all want the peace of God but I think sometimes not to be intentionally blasphemous, it feels like those things fade or we have to go snatch it somewhere else. But Paul says, if you look into God, he's true, he's honorable, he's noble, he's excellent, he's worthy of praise, he's lovely, he's commendable, he's just. If you focus on that and then you remember the things that we have learned and received and heard and seen and shown to you, but then you practice these things and then you walk with Christ and you live it out, then the God of peace will be with you. We sometimes want peace that fades, but we need the God of peace. Look at God, live it out, and you'll see what real peace is all about. I am hopeful that God is going to speak to us today through our 15 or so baptisms that we have this whole Sunday. And so if you're being baptized at this service, I want to invite you right over here.